if you'd like to join us. Sweetness at the mercy seat I've tasted. It's not hard to see. Only you can satisfy. There's honey in the rock. 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 Freedom with spirit.
to worship the Lord in the Lord's house today. Let's stand together, shall we? Praise God. We were talking briefly yesterday at the men's breakfast about the wind. Did any of you notice some wind blowing yesterday? Anybody know? We were sitting there in the, in the fireside room and uh, we, we heard the door opening and closing. And we looked, there was nobody there. It was just the wind. And I was telling the guys yesterday, and I want to share with you today, we want the wind of the Holy Spirit to blow through Trinity like it's never blown through before. Amen. We want to see the move of God's Holy Spirit. I believe the Holy Spirit can open some doors. Amen? Amen. He can open some doors of ministry. I believe that he can move things around. Any of you have some stuff moved around by the wind the other day? He wants to move some things around in our lives. He wants to empower us as we set ourselves to the move of the Holy Spirit. Let's pray right now. Father, we come in Jesus' name. We ask that you would send the wind of the Holy Spirit. And as we hear the wind outside, help us to crave and desire the wind inside of your Holy Spirit moving us, equipping us, empowering us. Father God, we know that in our own strength we can accomplish nothing, but with your Holy Spirit, nothing shall be impossible. We ask your touch upon our gathering today. We pray for those who could not make it out. We pray for those that are watching on live stream, but we ask a special blessing for those who came out to experience your presence today. We want to enter in and give you glory, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
Your name lifted high, oh 
guys for, for braving the cold weather to come see us. It brightens my day. It warms me up a bit. Grandfather, come on down. If we have any guests with us today who did brave the, the cold weather, we are glad to see you here at Trinity. We want to welcome you home. Um, this dashing young fella right here is um, going to have a connection card for you. If you can fill it out, slip up your hand and uh, fill out the card so we can keep in contact with you and you can uh, stay up to date with things that are going on here at the church. Can we get a round of applause for our guests today? And don't worry, live streamers, I didn't forget about you. Thank you for joining us from your warm, humble abodes. We understand it is kind of cold, so I don't blame you. Not this week anyway. You better be here next week. Um, as always, we have our Wednesday night services um, this week. If you're able to come and join us, we have our 10 a.m. Bible study with Pastor. And um, we also have our evening uh, ministries that are for all ages. So if you're able to come out and join us on Wednesday night, we would love to see you um, here for a time of fellowship. All those start at 7. Um, this Saturday, we have our Mid-Ohio Food Bank um, outreach, and we need as much brave people as we can get to come and brave the, the temperature and help us in that ministry. And so if you're able to do that, it would be greatly appreciated. And if you could sign up in the lobby for us, we would appreciate your help. Next Sunday, we have our West Park Ministries. And so Pastor Jamie and Marsha are going to be heading that up this month. 
um, and they appreciate any help that they can get. So if you're able to help out in that ministry, please see one of them or sign up in the lobby, and then that would be very helpful. Pastor Bill, um, well, I got to see Pastor Bill on Friday. He stopped by my work and gave me a little hello, and so that was very nice. And he had just got done helping um, hand out food and resources to some of the different communities around um, with that deal with homeless and everything. Um, and le yesterday they had their, their outreach ministry, and he sent me a message just telling me about how many meals they gave out, all the blankets that they were able to give out, the clothing, and all the many lives that they were able to help and touch with that. So Pastor Bill's ministry is so deep and so important to just the community and, and just letting people know that, hey, even when you're at your worst, we're still here. God still loves you, and we're able to show that love. So Pastor Bill, thank you for your ministry and the impact that it has on the community. And if you're able to help with that, please see Pastor Bill or sign up in the lobby. I believe there is sign-ups in the lobby. Um, that's going to be every, what is it, every second Saturday? Is that correct? Was it? Okay, second and fourth Saturday. Um, and so if you're able to come and help with that ministry and touch lives, it would be greatly appreciated. If you want to spend the evening with our energetic youth group, and you want to go see a pretty cool concert. Saturday, January 27th, um, I'm going to be taking a group to Winter Jam at the Shot and Scenes Dinner. And if you want to join us, please, you know, just let me know and we can accommodate for that just so I can get a head count and get prepared on how many people are wanting to attend. Um, but it's going to, we're going to meet here at the church at 4 p.m. on that Saturday. Um, it's a $15 donation at the, at the door. If that's something that you need help with, let me know, and I will gladly help you out with that, and we can figure something out with that. Um, if you are under 18, though, I do need a permission slip as soon as possible for that, or at least before we leave. So just keep that in mind if you're sending your kids. I do need a permission slip. Could the ushers come forward, please? Not yet. Yeah, he got it. He knows. This is a family tradition in our house. Uh, my kids realized that on a regular basis I tried to embarrass them. I, I mean, you know, I, I want to pass this along. I think we all ought to stand and sing happy birthday to Camden today. It's, come on. It's Camden. No, we, we stand up. He can be seated. We just, that's a wonderful shade of red on his cheeks. Happy birthday to you, happy birthday to you, happy birthday dear Camden, happy birthday to you. Never pass up an opportunity to embarrass your children and it's, it's a, a household tradition. My kids could tell you stories. We do want to uh, ask the ushers to come now. We're going to give our tithes and offerings to the Lord and bless his name. Praise God. 
Mighty God, we come in Jesus' name and we're thankful that nothing is too difficult for you. We thank you, Father, for a warm place to gather and worship you today. We ask, Father, that you would, through the giving of your people, provide for the meeting of the needs of this local assembly and our missionaries around the world as we support them in our local missions of touching the homeless and touching those in need in our community. We pray, Father, that you would keep the fire burning here at Trinity to light for a world that's in darkness. We ask your blessing upon both gift and giver. Multiply it for its intended good. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Changing grace, the rock won't move. No, 
Aren't you glad for that blessed assurance that Jesus is your Savior, your coming King? We praise you today, Father God, for your great love, your mercy, your compassion extended to us, that you so loved this world, you sent Jesus to die as a sin offering for our sin account. That if we would trust in you, believe in you, ask forgiveness of you, you would wash away the stain of our sin and grant to us eternal life. What a Savior! What a Lord! What a God! We praise you today. We ask that you would speak to our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let the wind blow in this place today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Oh, what a Savior. Hallelujah. Thank you, worship team. And aren't you glad little drummer boy's back in the box? Right there. Praise God. Well, three people are, but I, you know. I... Praise God. Last week we began a new series of messages about new things for a new year. We realize that there's coming a day in the future when the Lord says, Behold, I make all things new. Amen. There's a coming, there's going to be a new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem. You're going to get a new body. You're going to get a new, fresh relationship with God where you can praise Him around the throne. No sickness, no death. No sorrow, no parting. Hallelujah. But there are some new things the Bible tells us about right now. And we're going to explore those for the next several weeks. Last week we looked at a new harvest. How that when the people of Israel came into the promised land, the Lord said, I want you to clear out the old harvest from now on, there's going to be a new harvest in your life. How many of you with me are believing for a new harvest of souls this coming year here at Trinity? Through the ministry of Trinity and, and live streams and whatever, we want to impact our little corner of the world for Jesus Christ. Amen. You say, well, what's that among so many? Well, God has a way of doing things above and beyond all that we ask or think, or even dream. A new harvest. Clear out the old. How many of you did some uh, cleaning of the fridge last week in your spiritual lives? And some of the stuff that was just kind of lingering around, you asked the Lord to help purge some old stuff out to make room for the new. Praise God. We're inviting you to look at another new thing that's mentioned in the scripture. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word today? Turn to 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 2, and beginning with verse 19. 2 Kings chapter 2, beginning with verse 19. 
Then the men of the city said to Elisha, Please notice, the situation of this city is pleasant, as my Lord sees, but the water is bad, and the ground is barren. And Elisha said, Bring me a new bowl and put salt in it. And they brought it to him. Then he went out to the source of the water and cast in the salt there and said, Thus says the Lord, I have healed this water. From it there shall be no more death or barrenness. So the water remains healed to this day according to the word of Elisha which he spoke. Heavenly Father, give us a, a new bowl and a new spring today. Let the water of life flow freely in this place. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. A lot's going on in the first couple chapters of the book of 2 Kings. The prophet Elijah has had a lot of episodes in 1 Kings, but he's coming to the end of his prophetic ministry and time. The Lord gives him this awareness. It's, it's short. The Lord has laid upon him, I mean, he's had some phenomenal victories that we read about and we study about, from calling down fire on the mountain to all the different other miracles that are there. Raising of the dead, the expanding of the oil and grain for the widow. Miracle after miracle after miracle. And the Lord has given him an understudy, Elisha. And Elisha has been following him around learning how to be the man of God, the prophet. At this point of the story in 2 Kings, the Holy Spirit has revealed to Elijah the prophet that his time is short. And so he's going through the southern part of Israel and he's making some stops at the local seminaries, if you would, places where people of God are being trained to serve the Lord. They're called the sons of the prophets. They weren't literally the physical sons of the prophets, but they were those understudies learning how to follow God. And he stops at several different places. He stops at a place called Bethel, and he ministers to the people there, the sons of the prophets there. And then he moves on to Gilgal, and he ministers to the, the group of prophets there, and he's headed towards Jericho. Now, all this time, the Lord has revealed not only to Elijah, but also to Elisha, his understudy, and to the sons of the prophets that Elijah's time is short on the earth. And so each place that Elijah travels, he says, Elijah, why don't, Elisha, why don't you just stay here and work with the, 
the sons of the prophets, and I'll go on to the next. He says, no, I'm not leaving you. I'm, no, no, I'm, I'm right there with you. Well, it'll become more comfortable for you here. He says, I know that, but I'm, I'm not leaving you. And he says, well, what, what do you want from me? You know, what, what, do you, what do you want? He says, you know what I want? I want a double portion of the spirit that's on you to be upon my life. Those of you who know your Bible, you know that the double portion was the anointing for the eldest son. It was a custom in those days that the eldest son received a double portion of the inheritance so that the eldest son could care for the, the rest of the family when the breadwinner was gone, when the father, the patriarch, was gone. And so he's asking for a double portion of the Spirit of the Lord to be upon his life, not for him, but for those that he would serve. There's a lot of things to study here. We don't have time to take it on today. But do you want a double portion of the Spirit so that you can feel spiritually strong? Or do you want a double portion of the Spirit of Almighty God so you can touch other lives? There's a big difference. There's a lot of people today that they want to make a name for themselves in the Christian world. But there's some Elishas out there that want to do all they can do to impact other people for the gospel of the kingdom. We need more of those, Elishas, than we need some of the shooting stars that flicker for a little bit and fall and burn out. Would you be a candidate today for a double portion of the Spirit of the Lord, not for you, not so that you feel more powerful or you feel more anointed or you are a, uh, able to gather and amaze people, but so that you can be a better servant to God, a better servant to the King of glory. God is looking for people with a servant's heart not just craving blessings. Well, uh, Elijah said to Elisha, well, that's not mine to give because it's not my spirit. It's the Holy Spirit. He says, but if you watch when I, if you're there to watch when I leave, I believe the Father's going to give it to you. So everywhere he went, why don't you stay at, at Bethel? No, I'm going with you. He was pressing in closer and closer. He says, well, we're here at Gilgal. Why don't you just hang? No, no, no. And they made it all the way down to the far southern tip of Israel to a place called Jericho. Now, Jericho is one of the oldest cities continually occupied on planet Earth. Even the seculars uh, attest to it as being so. Jericho is an oasis surrounded by deserts and yet there was a spring there, a fountain there that made it into an oasis that was fruitful and gorgeous. I remember the first time that I saw Jericho. We were surrounded in the bus looking on either side. It was just 
desert, desert, huh? Rocks, yeah, rocks, and rock, dirty, dry rocks. And then we come up over a crest of a hill and we look down into a valley and we see an oasis. That was Jericho. Now, Jericho, you say, well, wasn't it close to the Jordan River? Well, kind of close. Uh, it was 21 miles away. <laughs> you can see it from there, you know. But the source of the oasis at Jericho was this spring we're going to talk about today. And uh, let's pick up the story. When Elijah, followed very closely by Elisha, shows up at the meeting house of the sons of the prophets of Jericho. And the sons of the prophets say to Elisha, you know your master's going to go be with the Lord today. They didn't know how. He says, yeah, I know. And so uh, we're, we're just going to keep an eye on him from here. Elisha says, well, I'm going down to the Jordan. Anybody going with me? Guess who? The only one. There was 50 understudy prophets, and they said, we're fine. We'll stay here. So they're, they're, they watch as Elijah and Elisha take off and walking from, from Jericho down to the Jordan River, 21 miles away. You heard about the guy that he was bragging about what good eyesight he had. It wasn't Jim, but, but bragging about what good eyesight he had. The person says, you know, I can, from right here in the front of the sanctuary, I can read every one of the Ten Commandments on that uh, placard back there. He says, you think that's something. I, I can read the, at the bottom, there's a, a, a scripture down at the bottom that says where they're from. I can read that. And Jim pipes up says, I got better eyes than all of you. I walk outside and I can see the sun and it's 93 million miles away. <laughs> but that's another story. So the sons of the prophets, 50 of them in all, are staying in Jericho and they're watching as those two lone figures make their way down to the Jordan River 21 miles away. Just the two. They get closer to the Jordan, and Elijah takes off his outer mantle, and he hits the Jordan River, and the waters peel back. Now, you could see it from Jericho, but it's a whole different experience for Elisha seeing it right there. I'd like to stop for just a moment. Far too many believers today are content to see what God's doing from a distance rather than right up close. James tells us, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. We've got too many people observing what God's up to rather than being right there of what God's up to. A lot of sons of the prophets, one Elisha. 
He got to see things and experience things because he was right up close. Right there to see it happen. I long for a, a time when we begin to press in and say, I don't want to see, I don't want to just see what God's doing from a distance. I want to be right there where he's doing it. You say, well, isn't that presumptuous? Oh, no. Elisha was just along. He says, I'm not going to leave you. I'm not going to forsake you. I'm going to be where you are. Get used to it. Because he wanted to be used of the Lord to touch others. I wonder what would happen here at Trinity if all of us decided rather than just come to church, we would press in closer to God. Say, Lord, I don't want to just watch from the sidelines. I want to be actively involved in what you're doing to touch lives. I believe that it would transform the ministry of the church here, and it would transform each of us if we'd press in closer. You say, well, you know, the, the sons of the prophets, they got to see the miracle. Yeah, but there's nothing like a miracle right there where you're standing. So Elijah takes his mantle and touches the Jordan River, and the Jordan River pulls back. Elisha saw it firsthand. The sons of the prophets say, what in the world happened down there? It looked like he walked right through the middle of the water. Was the water that low? I don't know. I can't hardly see from it. You know, when you get a little distance on you, it's tough to see exactly what's going on. But God's moving right now. And he wants you close enough to see what's happening. So they get to the other side of the Jordan, and they're standing there, and at that point, something really amazing happens. Out of the sky appears a whirlwind and chariots of fire, and this whirlwind begins to scoop Elijah up, and he's taken up by the whirlwind into the clouds, preceded by that fiery chariot, and he's taken out of the picture, and Elisha's just standing there looking up, watching what happened, and all of a sudden, out of the sky, his mantle falls down. See, he didn't need it anymore. And Elisha picks up the mantle of Elijah. He's just seen a miraculous thing. It, it's a picture. It's a foretaste of the rapture of the church. He's caught up in clouds of glory. <laughs> but there's still a work on the planet. So he picks up the mantle. And he's on the other side of the Jordan River right now. And the Jordan is just as big as it ever was. And the 50 sons of the prophets say, did you see that? See what? You, 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 know, what? you know, you from a distance, things are hard to see. They say, well, I wonder what happened to him. <laughs> and so Elisha decides to test it out. Would there be a double portion of the Spirit of God upon his life because he stayed close to Elijah, his mentor? 
and says, well, I need to get back and talk to the boys. They're going to have questions. So he walks up and he says, the spirit that rested upon Elijah. Come on, baby. <laughs> and he touched the Jordan and it peeled back. And then he put on the, the mantle and walked back up the hill to Jericho. Well, the story goes on that the 50 sons of the prophets were so far distant from what God was doing at the Jordan, they thought, we better send out a search party. That storm came through and just whipped him up, and he's probably laying out there beaten and bloodied and everything. We better go, go look for Elijah. And Elisha says, no. You were too distant to see that God was moving in a supernatural way. Getting up close to God, you can see things that other people can't see. Miraculous things that other people say, well, I wonder what that was. Elisha knew. Well, they sent out search parties. Elisha says, you're wasting your time. He went up to heaven. I have evidence. <laughs> I have the promise. But they went out and they came back and says, we didn't find him. He says, you know why you didn't find him? Because he's with the Lord right now. Now we know he's with the Lord because several thousand years later, a couple thousand years later, there was a man named Jesus, the son of Almighty God, and he went up on a mountain. And there he was glorified in his resplendent glory as king of kings and lord of lords and he was standing there talking to Moses and Elijah about the things pertaining to the kingdom yeah he made it safely home so there they are Elisha with the sons of the prophets who weren't all that great and they come and bring a problem to him. And they said, uh, Mr. Elisha, Mr. Prophet, we got a problem here in, in Jericho. You see, this spring that is here that makes this in an oasis, something's happened to it. Something's polluted the spring. They didn't know what, and to this day, we don't know what. But what happened was the source of the oasis in the midst of the desert was beginning to die because the spring had become polluted. It was full of death, it says. Now, what was happening, according to the scriptures that we just read, people would partake of the the water from the only true water source of Jericho, and they were getting deathly ill. You've all watched the news reports about Camp Lejeune, right? Any Camp Lejeune survivors? I know we got a few uh, that w had visited there. The water was bad. Amen? Any of you, okay, any of you follow the news at all? If you were at Camp Lejeune during these days and you, you have any of these, you have cancer, you have leukemia, you have double vision, you walk funny, 
<laughs> you know, you, you, you've had miscarriages, whatever, you know, uh, it's because of the water that was there. They were drinking the water, but it was killing them. Something had polluted the source of life for Jericho. Not only were people being affected, but the animals, they, they couldn't take them 21 miles down to water at the Jordan River. They were watering from the spring, and the, the animals were dying. And the source of the, the beautiful fruit trees and the greenery of the oasis was drying and withering and barren because the source of the oasis in the midst of a desert was dying. The stream, the fountain, had become polluted. Many people have offered theories of what happened. One of the main theories and that most people hold to is the fact that throughout Israel, there are different pockets of salt springs that when there's a, a shift in the plates of the earth, sometimes it can spill over and pollute the good springs with brackish salt water and make it deathly. Perhaps this is what happened. Once there was a spring, now it was quite a spring, 10,000 gallons per minute. Per minute flow from the spring at Jericho. It was life to the people there, to their animals, to their fields. They irrigated the, the fields with it, beautiful fruit trees when everything was going right. But now 10,000 gallons a minute of death pouring out in the community. The stream had become polluted. We're not told why or how, but we know this. It was killing people. That which was once the source of life in the midst of the desert had become the source of death in the midst of the desert. So they say, well, we, this is a good place. It's a lovely place, but we've got to move on. We've got to get out of here because the stream is killing us. The spring is polluted. And so... Elisha says, bring me a new bowl. He didn't want any mistake about it. He says, fashion me a new bowl. It's not been used by anybody else. There's nothing in it. It's brand new. It's either carved out of wood or it's shaped out of pottery. Give me a new, and put salt in it. Just fill it all the way up with salt. And they said, what? What are you talking about? Is he wanting to cook something? You know, what, what's he? So Elisha goes out. Now, for some of you, this is going to bother you immensely. Don't let it bother you too bad, okay? I promise I will vacuum this up later. Don't, don't be worried. Don't, I'm not pouring the whole thing out. Don't, you know. I already warned Mike. Just take a chill pill, brother. He took the salt and he poured it out and threw it in. 
to this 10,000 gallons per minute fountain. Now, who in the world would think that a little bit of salt, even a little new bowl full of salt, could have any impact on such a massive flowing of water? But the Bible says, and it's true, that polluted spring pumping out 10,000 gallons per minute of polluted water was immediately transformed into pumping out the fresh water again. Clear, sweet, cool water coming out and it began to prosper and flourish. It became an oasis again. And I personally can testify, I've drunk from that spring. And 3,000 years later, it's still pumping water out at 10,000 gallons per minute. And Jericho is an oasis again. Pastor, what in the world does this have to do anything? We're talking about new things. Well, we got a couple new things. We've got a, a new bowl. We actually have a new spring now. I would suggest to you that we can use this as a, as a parable, a modern parable for us. That which was supposed to be a spring of living water in the midst of a dry and barren land has become polluted and is killing us rather than helping us. You see, the church of Jesus Christ, born-again believers, I'm not talking about buildings, I'm talking about born-again people. We're the church, amen? amen? This is just the church meeting house. But the church has become polluted. You're talking about Trinity? No, I'm talking about the church world at large. You remember Jesus talked about churches in the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ and he said, you're, a, you're called a church, but you're not going to be one for much longer because you've messed up. And if you don't repent, you're out of here. That's the church I'm talking about. The church that has, rather than being the spring of living water to, in a dry and barren land, would you admit we live in a dry and barren land today? We need the spring of living water to flow out from the body of Christ to touch a world. But the spring has become polluted. Let me suggest to you how that happens. We live in a toxic world surrounded by, by evil and the church is to be that which goes against the very gates of hell and redeems the lost in the midst of these toxic times. That's our mission, folks. Jesus said it there at Caesarea Philippi. I will build my church, and the very gates of hell shall not prevail against it. The true church, the living church, that group of born-again believers 
washed in the blood of the Lamb? Are you one of the church today? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Have you had your sins washed away? Have you been redeemed? Anybody acknowledge that you're a part of his church today? The true church is not defeated. The true church is not polluted. But those who have allowed the pollutions of this world to enter in are not offering the life spring of hope to a dry and barren world. There isn't much difference between some so-called churches and the world today. The church was to be a beacon of light and hope in a sin-cursed society, but it's become more like the world than transforming the world. In the world and of the world. I'm not talking denominations here. I'm not talking names out front. I'm talking about when the born again cease to be the fountain spring of life to their barren world. We've become lukewarm, and Jesus said, I'll spit you out of my mouth. That's the church I'm talking about. The true church is alive and well, but false reproductions are being polluted by the world. There's to be a difference between the church of Jesus Christ and the world that it's pouring out into. There's to be a distinction. You ought to be able to see a difference between the true church of Jesus Christ and the world that it's trying to reach. Morality has become polluted. Justice has been polluted. Common sense, as we've mentioned, is not common anymore. There's hatred and murder and strife. Children slaughtering children. Legalize this, legalize that, and it spirals down to a polluted, muddied world. And the church, the false reproduction of the church, is standing there and saying, what's wrong with that? The fabric of our society has become polluted with satanic, demonic vibes. The message of the church has become polluted by the sin of our day. Rather than stand against it, we blend in with it. So statistically, people are today, these are not my stats, these are from reputable uh, folks that review these things, people are more likely to believe in ghosts than in God. They are more likely to believe in demons than deity. Our world has become polluted, and the church is going along for the ride. Truth has been shanghaied and changed into my truth, your truth, our truth, corporate truth, you're entitled to your truth. I'm entitled to my truth. But my friends, there's only one truth. Families have become polluted as well and positive role models have been thrown out 
in exchange for sensual lies. The spring that's to bring life in the midst of the desert of sin has become polluted today. And death is reigning. Everything is affected when the spring is polluted. Well, I'm not, are you suggesting that Jesus, the spring of living water, has become polluted? No, I'm talking about the fact that the vessels that carry it to the world have become polluted. It affects everything. Our families, our children, our grandchildren, our relationships, our schools, our priorities, our laws, things that we accept that we once rejected. We've polluted the spring. It's not giving life to the world, but the world is lapping up the lies and dying in their sin. Where's the church that lifts up the one true hope in Jesus Christ? Where's the church? Where's the life spring that says Jesus is the way, the truth, the life? The false church has blended in with society so you can't hardly tell the difference because there is no difference. This is the situation in Jericho. That which brought life, now you drink from it and you die. The church used to be the center point of God's touch to the world. It still is. But the false church has entered in. We've compromised with the world. And that has not brought the world closer to Jesus. It has brought the church closer to the world. Everything and everyone is affected by this pollution from the pits of hell. Hear what the word of the Lord says. Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 26 says, A righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. A righteous person who gives in to sin and people see that spring and they taste of it and there's no life there it's polluted Zephaniah chapter 3 in verse 1 and 2 says woe to her who is rebellious and polluted to the oppressing city she has not obeyed God's voice she has not received correction she has not trusted in the Lord she has not drawn near to God, polluted. Her prophets are insolent, treacherous people. Her priests have polluted the sanctuary. They have done violence to the law. This pollution has reached the place where the church, rather than telling people how to get closer to God, how to be right with God, is trying to convince people you're okay just as you are. You don't need to change. You, you don't need to co confess your sin. Jesus died, you're cool, everything's fine. Live any way you want to and everybody goes to heaven. 
but that's not what the Word of God says. There is a heaven. There is a hell. There is no purgatory. You're either in one place or the other. And there's only one way. Jesus said, I am that way. And it's through the truth of his word. The spring has become polluted, and everyone is affected by it. Well, pastor, what are we to do? I mean, just like that spring, 10,000 gallons per minute, what difference is one little new bowl of salt going to make? With you, with me, it's not going to make any difference at all. But when God's involved, he can take a new bowl and put salt in it and purify a stream to where it's life-giving again. And it impacts the whole community again. You can't be serious. Pastor, you, you cannot be serious. That sounds ridiculous. That comparing that one bowl, new bowl of salt and him just dumping that, uh, don't worry about it, uh, him, him dumping that in a 10,000 gallon per minute spring is going to make any difference in the world. And you're right. A new bowl filled with salt is not going to make any difference. But you know what will? A new creation through Jesus Christ being salt and light in a world can change the pollution of our age. One bowl, one creation, one soul at a time. It's not about the big fix. It's about the fix. It's not going to take men. It's not going to take us. It's going to take God in us to be poured out into our community. You say, well, what difference can I make? I'm, yes, I, I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I, I'm, I'm going to share the salt of God's word and life in my community, but what difference can I make? You can't make a bit of difference. But God can. God can. <clears throat> when Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount, he said to the people, these are some pretty messed up people. You are the salt of the earth. You've got to be that little that adds flavor to the gravy. And you say, well, what difference can we make? There's a Roman Empire. There's wicked Herod. What All the things that are going on, there's a polluted uh, si uh, temple system. The priesthood is messed up and everything. He says, no, you be the salt, and I'll take it from there. It's going to take a miracle of God, but you know what? It's not just one new bowl. It's every new creation. How many of you are a new creation in Christ Jesus? He came in, and he made... Your soul new. You're a new person in Christ Jesus. You know what? One new bowl can make a big difference when the salt's being poured out. Well, how can I be the salt of the earth? How can I touch 
my world that's become polluted let me give you some ideas first of all how is it possible it's not <laughs> it's God he said bring me a new bowl put salt in it a new fresh container he can take an individual that was lost and dying and polluted by the world and he can make you a new creation that's suited for heaven through the shed blood of Jesus Christ and he wants to use that new bowl as a vessel to take the salt of his word into the community you are that container my friend you are that container I'm part of God's solution to a polluted stream around about. It's not just you. It's you in God's hands. Filled with the salt of his word. Now let me suggest five ways of being salt and light in the world today that will make a difference because God's in it. First of all, consistently demonstrate the unconditional love of God to those around you. They say, what's that about? It's different. It's not saying acceptance. It's the love of God. The world doesn't really desire acceptance. The Holy Spirit, how many of you believe the Holy Spirit's doing his work? He's convicting people of sin. He is that's the reason they're so mean because he's working on them you've shared a word with them or they've heard a preached word or they were raised in a Christian situation the Holy Spirit's working on them prodding them poking at them and they're irritable about it now the false church is just saying we accept you as you are you don't need to do anything you're just wonderful they don't want acceptance. They want to get the sting of sin out of their life. And when you're showing the unconditional love of God through Jesus Christ, they realize it's not about being accepted. It's about being forgiven. About coming into eternal life. People being accepted does not change people. They remain as they are. Huh? but changed people changed by the power of Jesus Christ and his great love are changed they're transformed they become another bowl a new bowl to pour out that salt into the world first of all demonstrate the unconditional love of Christ to those around you. Secondly, boldly share the truth about Jesus and his word. The world around you, the polluted society, does not need to feel better about themselves. That's what got them into that place. They need to know there's a way out. There's a hope in the midst of the dilemma. There's a hope in the midst of a sinful world the let me illustrate it this way 
I have this happen. You probably have it happen to you too. A major crisis hits, whether it's 9-11 or war here or some crisis there. I start getting calls. I start getting calls. But what about, is this a sign of the end times? Is this that, is that? Now these are people that have not talked about that in my hearing in a long time. But when a crisis hits, they call. They didn't call before. <laughs> I've tried to share before, but they, they didn't want, to, want it then. But when the crisis hits, they call somebody that's going to give them some salt. Somebody that knows God's word enough to give them a hope. Our world does not need you to hold their hand and say, they're there, it's okay. They know it's not okay. They know their world is in trouble. They know they're in, in desperate need of something to save them out of the midst of this. They understand that this world is, is going to blow up one day and they're going to be caught in the aftermath. They don't need you to hold their hand. They need you to point them to Jesus Christ through the salt of his word. Amen. Oh, but pastor, they won't like me for that. They will when they become a new bowl. They will when there's a hope that is steadfast and sure since Jesus came into their heart. They'll rejoice around the throne with you. You know there's not going to be any finger pointing in heaven from those that you witness to that receive Jesus Christ. They're not going to say, he was mean to me. They're going to come up and they're going to hug you and say, thank you for telling me about Jesus. Thank you for being honest with me. Quit holding the world's hand and saying, they're there. Start pointing them there, there. It's Jesus that you need. So first of all, consistently demonstrate unconditional love of Christ to the lost. Boldly share the truth about Jesus and his word Third, faithfully live the life as a follower of Jesus. The Holy Spirit, who is trying to guide people into truth, trying to guide them into conviction of their sins and whatever, is wants to be able to see a difference in your life and this false church that's polluting. And you know what? People see the difference. People can see the difference. If you're a follower of a philosophy or you're a follower of Jesus Christ. But we got to faithfully live the life in front of them. They've got to see there's a difference. There's a different way. They may not like the way, but they know there's a choice. They know there's a difference. Give us some Joshua's who will stand in the face of people that have tried to kill his predecessor, Moses, and have thought about doing the same to him, he says, you do whatever you want to do. You can worship the gods of Egypt on the other side of the Red Sea. You can bow down to all of those false deities. You can worship the sun, the moon, the river Nile, whatever. But as for me and my house, I'm going on record, we will serve the Lord. 
Folks, we need some families to stand up, some moms and dads to stand up and said, I'm not going to just go along with the ways of the world. I want my family to stand out as someone that's going to serve God no matter what. Salt and life. Faithfully live the life of a follower of Jesus Christ. For make a difference in someone's life for Jesus. You don't need people to be attached to you. You need people to become attached to Jesus because you're going to let them down, but Jesus never will. This is sensitive, I understand. I'm just saying what I've seen. There's some folks here at the church, you want everybody to like you. You don't want anybody to be upset with you. You want everybody to like you. Get over it. If you tell the truth, people aren't going to like you. But they're going to love you when they find Jesus because of the salt that you shared with them. They're not going to like you in heaven if they don't make it. Do you hear me? They're not going to run up and say, oh, thank you for not telling me about my sin. Not going to be any of that. They'll be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Make a difference in somebody's life for Jesus. And five, avoid being sucked in to the pollution of our culture. Avoid even the appearance of evil and compromise with the world. Our world needs a healing spring. But what is one new bowl of salt when there's 10,000 gallons per minute? I didn't do the math. I was going to, but math's not my thing. You do the math. I've been sharing about this for about 40 minutes. What is... 40 minutes times 10,000 gallons per minute. Huh? Some of you are not math people either. Thank you. Thank you. 400,000 gallons have passed through the spring just in the last 40 minutes. But you know what? The Lord is looking for some new bowls today to be filled with the salt of his word. And if one new bowl can tackle that spring at Jericho and 3,000 3, years later, it's still pumping out the same fresh water it did that day when he poured the one bowl in. Your life can have an impact from generation to generation if you're willing to let the salt of God's word flow through you to touch your polluted society. First of all, maybe you don't agree. Is our society really kind of polluted? 
are better programs and, and laws and legislations going to make it a better place? No, they're letting down. But the salt of God's word, through the miraculous power of the Lord, can transform a polluting spring into one that brings fresh water. Fresh water. You see, you're not just cleaning up the water for the people here, but until Jesus returns, you're for every generation, you're being the salt and light. A new bowl filled with salt and the miracle power of God it makes no sense that it could change that spring but that's the cool thing about God he doesn't make any sense at all he just does it and they're still drinking at the spring today because of the God who used one bowl, one new bowl to transform a new spring. It's a giver of life. I'm asking you to stand with me right now. If there's anyone here that hasn't become a new creation in Christ Jesus, now's a good time to do that. Just bring me a new bowl. I believe the Lord would like to carve out some new bowls today that he wants to fill with his glory and the salt of his word because we live in a polluted world, folks. And the church, the false church, has, has said, there, there, everything's fine. You don't need to change. You don't need to repent. We'll just help you adapt to your sinful situation. That's not Bible, folks. That's a polluted spring. There's anybody here today, anybody watching on the live stream, and your heart is not right with God. You've not been born again. You've not allowed him to come into your life and forgive your sin and make a new container out of you, a new vessel. You can do it right now. You can call upon his name, and he's ready to listen. He's ready to forgive your sin and come into your life and wash all your sin away to use you you're not just saved to sit on a shelf you're to pour out to a polluted world the life-giving message of Jesus Christ there's several things we've talked about today the importance of being as close to the Lord as you can get don't watch him from a distance. Get as close to him as you can. The altar is open today. If you want to nudge in a little bit closer to Jesus, he's ready for you. I also want to talk to those that you need approval from other people so much, you're willing to compromise your faith to get along helping them you're not helping the lost and you're not helping yourself but you can be 
that new bowl that filled with the salt of the word of God and impact lives for eternity. Say, what can my life do? It can do a miraculous thing when God gets a hold of it. God's looking for some new bowls today to fill with his glory and to reach this polluted world with the gospel. Would you come find a place of prayer? Say, Lord, I'm, I'm willing to be that new bowl. I'm willing to be that vessel to carry the salt and light of your word into my polluted world. I realize there's nothing I can do, but you, Christ in me, is my hope and glory. You say, well, I don't know exactly how to do what you've said to do. I have great news, even better news. The Holy Spirit will guide you and direct you in how to be that vessel filled with salt in a polluted world that can turn it around for the kingdom of God. I've never preached this message before, but I know it's what God told me to share today. I'm done. I leave it in your hands. Is there salt in the bowl today? Are you willing to pour out into a world? Are you willing to lay down your need for everybody to accept you and love you? To love them enough to tell them the truth about the Word of God. God's love for them and their need of a Savior. Do you love them enough to be the salt? and light Jesus said for us to be. Heavenly Father, I've tried to be obedient today. We don't want to be a polluting influence in our community. We want to be a life spring for Jesus to touch lives here. Father, take your word, speak it to our hearts in such a way we can say yes to you and no to the pollution of our day. Father, don't let your word fall to the ground. Let somebody pick it up. I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. The brethren will be ready to pray with you around the altar. If you want prayer, slip up your hand. They'll come and pray with you there's physical needs, you come. This life spring of the church is to touch even the, the sickness and disease. He healed the waters and healed the people of Jericho. You come. Don't leave until God has had the work in your heart he wants to do today. God bless you. We hope to see you Wednesday study of God's Word. God bless you.
Support within 